0: Welcome to the Doodle Kisses podcast. I'm your host, Adina Pearson, and this is the very first Doodle Kisses podcast ever. I'm so excited because I've been thinking about starting this podcast for the past year, and I'm excited to have finally taken the plunge. This podcast is an extension of doodlekisses.com. That's the Labradoodle and Golden Doodle owner social network I started nine years ago to connect all of us crazy hopeless doodle addicts. Because talking doodle was my favorite thing to do. On this first episode, I'm interviewing Jacqueline York, the founder of Doodle Rescue Collective, a rescue organization she started with other members of Doodle Kisses many years ago in Doodle Kisses' infancy. Now, rescue holds a special place in my heart because we've had two labradoodles from rescue. Our late sweet Thule was from a local rescue um, about two or three hours away And our seven-year-old Boca came from Doodle Rescue Collective. You'll get to hear Jackie's dog story, how she got her first doodle, and learn lots about doodle rescue and rescue in general. We'll get to the interview shortly, but first, this episode is sponsored by Adina Pearson Nutrition. That's right. When I'm not talking doodle, I help women and families find peace and joy with food. I'm a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. If you're a woman who struggles with food and eating, or you feel confused about when, what, when and how you're supposed to eat, and sick of diet failure after diet failure, I can help you restore peace, joy, and confidence to your eating, and help your children develop a positive relationship with food. Right now, I have a free guide for moms to help you manage emotional eating. Visit adinaperson.com to get your free guide to manage emotional eating. And now, without further ado, here is my interview with Jackie. Enjoy. All right. So, I've got Jackie here with us, and I'm so excited to have her speak with you and tell you about her life in rescue and life with doodles. So we'll get started. Jackie, um, tell us about how you got started with dogs. Period. Were you always a dog lover? Did you have puppies since you were a baby, or how did that go for you?
1: Oh gosh, I think we got our first dog when I was mm, maybe seven. My mother took us to somebody's house and said, "Okay, I want everybody to pick a puppy." And of course, they opened up the doors, and out came—you know—fourteen Labrador Retriever puppies. <laughs> And you know how they are when you when you see them. They all come and jump on you when you're a little kid and you're experiencing that. And we picked one, and her name was Heather. And we had her till she was, I think she was about 11 or 12. And uh, in, in between that time, we had several other dogs that we kind of added along the way as we were kind of rescuing them and then finding them new homes. Um, and uh, my mother had gotten involved with... Um, a rich entrepreneurial guy who had um, a piece of property. And back then before the internet, he was rescuing dogs and taking them in and finding them new homes all over the country. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how he did that back then. (laughs) You started with the legacy of rescue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And my mother kind of like fell into it by accident. And she also was uh, breeding uh, Labradors, Labrador retrievers for a while. Um, I think she only did two litters maybe in 10 years. Um, but she had beautiful puppies, and uh, we got to experience that as kids as well. And she, I think she still knows exactly where every single one of those puppies went to. Wow,
0: that's amazing.
1: <laughs> but she really um, was the inspiration for all of it. She was always an animal lover, and I was the kind of kid that always brought home every stray animal that I would find. I would come home every day after school with a cat. You know, Ma, look <laughs> what I found okay, we'll bring it in. We'll find it at home. <laughs> so I think that's kind of how it really started.
0: Yeah. Since you were a little one. And so how did you end up with your first doodle of all the possible dogs or breeds
1: you could have gotten? Well, interestingly enough, again, that goes back to my mom. Uh, I guess it was about 2001 shortly after like nine 11, my mom, uh, Kind of went through a chain, she uh, ended up getting a divorce, and she moved to her own little kind of farm. She had a couple of horses and she lost one of her um one of her dogs, uh, which was a schnauzer, and she said, "You know what I really am missing having a big dog, and um I have allergies and you have allergies, and we have to find one that's kind of bigger that that doesn't cause allergy problems that isn't a poodle and I was like, why why not a poodle you know we we had poodles over the years and She said, I don't know, they're too slight. And um, she was like, I think they get a bad rap, but yeah, I'm not interested in a poodle. And about that time, I think they were introducing Labradoodles to the United States. And she read some article about them. And all of a sudden, we were like, okay, let's try to find Labradoodles (laughs) where we can (laughs) get one. And um, at the time, there was maybe one breeder in this country. Um, who told my mother to reach out to Beverly Manners in Australia, which I think we did. And I think she replied back with a, oh yes, it will be $5,500 for a puppy plus shipping plus. The, so it ended up that it was going to be like a $10,000 proposition to get an Australian Labrador puppy. Right. And my, my mother said, my God, I had an entire litter of, I guess, labradoodle puppies back in 1976 when our next door neighbor's standard poodle got at my breeding, you know, lab. all <laughs> my, my bitch. And we did. We had 14 poodle lab mixed puppies um, that were all curly except for one. <laughs> um, and she said I couldn't give them away. And they want $5,500 in shipping and put a puppy in a crate for 27 hours. And, oh, my God, I can't. No, 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 no. Can't do it. Um, And that was at that point that I said, you know, I bet we can find them here. I bet there are plenty of people that had an accidental litter with their standard poodle in their lab. And they're probably all over the place. And we just don't know it. They don't know what to call them. And I'm going to start looking for them. And that's how we started looking for labbertoodles and shelters. And well, lo and behold, we found a bunch.
0: And is that how you found Bella? Um, no, I, Blake I mean, was my Blake, first. sorry. Yeah,
1: Blake was my first. No, I decided to volunteer for um, the Humane Society and for um, the PSPCA in, uh, in Philadelphia. And there was a notorious puppy mill breeder uh, almost having kennels. And they had called me and said, hey, we're going in. We're going to raid this guy. And he's got tons of poodle mixes. And we know you're looking for a, lab, a rescue labradoodle. So, you know, you might want to come and get some of these dogs. And I went there and lo and behold, there was, there was Blake and, uh, he kind of picked me out, but all those dogs had to go through triage. So they sent them off to the various humane societies around the area. And he ended up in, uh, Pike County Humane. And then I had to go up there and get him and I had to fight them for him actually. Uh (laughs) So, and that's how I ended up with Blake.
0: And how did you find Doodle Kisses? Did you have Blake already or did you get him once you remember? I can't remember.
1: No, I had Blake already. And then uh, I guess, uh, was it 2008? I yeah. got Blake in, in 2007. Okay. And then all of a sudden, I guess we were doing the, uh, was it Doodle Zoo or something? I think we were all kind of chatting on that thing for a while.
0: Right. I don't remember you from there. How interesting. I
1: think <laughs> okay. I another name. Yeah, I kind of. There was a few. I was on like the fringe. I wasn't really participating. At that point, I had kind of volunteered for iDog and kind of been brought into that fold.
0: Mm-hmm. And iDog, for anyone listening that isn't familiar, that is one of the other rescues um, that does doodle rescue regularly. And Jackie is the head of doodlerescue.org. Um, and I'm going to ask her more about her doodle rescue in a bit, but I wanted to find out. So you've got Blake and you've got Bella now too, right? right. So between Blake and Bella, you got involved in Doodle Rescue. So how did that happen?
1: How did you, you know, think to do that? And From Doodle Kisses. After getting involved with Doodle Kisses, I think I got on there once and said, hey, I have a a foster Labradoodle here, a rescue Labradoodle. If anybody's interested, you know, contact me. Mm-hmm. And um, people started contacting me. And then I started, I guess, rubbing elbows with everybody on there and, uh, Karen being one of them and, uh, you know, saying, you know, we could probably do this, do a rescue at this point, you know, with all the doodle kisses, people that are interested in rescue and interested in, in doodles. Um, and I think we have a real opportunity to save some dogs and uh, educate people. So we kind of put our heads together and all of a sudden we were, it became huge, literally, in I think within a year.
0: Yeah, the rest is history. So do you, <laughs> uh, how many... Do you have a count on how many dogs you've rehomed so far?
1: Um, I guess altogether, it's over the 5,000 dogs since 2008 mark now. Wow,
0: that's amazing.
1: So There's so many that don't make it onto Facebook and social media.
0: Right. <laughs> so I'd love to hear from you more um, to help those who aren't familiar with Doodle Rescue learn a little bit more about it. So what exactly does Doodle Rescue Do. And do you go by the name Doodle Rescue or Doodle Rescue Collective?
1: Doodle Rescue Collective.
0: Okay. So what is it that Doodle Rescue Collective does? And are you based in New Jersey or where? How does it work? We're
1: based in New Jersey, but we are all over North America. So we have volunteers basically in every state and probably the lower part of Canada. Although for some reason it seems that dogs in Canada, you know, rescue dogs in Canada or rehomes in Canada seem you know rarer. You don't see them as often as you do down here. Interesting. Um, but we do have volunteers in the lower Canadian provinces. Um and and sometimes I step back and I look at everything and I go I, I don't know how this happened. I'm really happy <laughs> that it did, but you know I don't know I don't know how it happened. How I went from my little corporate job, you know, in my little corner of the world to to doing this huge Rescue that! I, I have to tell you, it has absolutely nothing to do with me at all. It really has to do with these incredible volunteers that we have. That's awesome. Uh, it really is a collective effort.
0: So, for people who aren't familiar with the rescue in general, and I think most people are, but just in case, um, what does it mean to rescue? Are you finding strays? Are you picking up dogs that have been abandoned? Or where where do these dogs come from?
1: They come from all different places. Um, I would say lately a large majority of the animals that we're getting are rehome requests um, from people that have, you know, they went and bought a doodle. They didn't really think it through or the dog's turning out to be too much for them. I would say 90% of the dogs that come into our program now that are rehomes um, are losing their home because of issues involved with children, whether it's the dog is not getting along with the, with the kids or it's that they have no time because of, of small children. So, um, that yeah. would be the number one reason that these dogs lose their homes. But, um, we see more and more of them now in shelters being turned into shelters. Uh, of course we get them from puppy mill situations. Um, when organizations like, uh, the Humane Society, um, alert us that they're going into a, a big puppy mill raid and there's probably doodles. I mean, we we're kind of in there like, okay, you can get, you can have a few of them. If we get some doodles, we'll pass them on to you. Um, You know, various ways we find out about them.
0: Okay. So let's say that, you know, your local humane society suddenly has a litter of doodles or adult puppies that were found or adults. Um, you hear about it and you can pick up five. What happens next? Who goes to get them? How do they... Get well, depending somewhere. on
1: where they are, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we don't have resources in the immediate area, and it takes a lot of uh, coordinating. Uh, we have to get somebody who's you know the, the closest person who's willing to do that driving, kind of go there and find out what's going on. I'm trying to think of like the last incident that we had, uh, Humane Society in Nebraska. We don't really have many, many volunteers in Nebraska, but we have Tina Katmeyer who's in Iowa. And she's about six hours away. And she said, I'm in my car. I'm heading down there now. And she drove all the way down to Nebraska from Iowa, from Des Moines. And she picked up all five of these dogs and brought them back to her place in Iowa. And did the triage and the rehab. And she had them as fosters. And they all went to their forever homes. And then she ended up keeping one herself. But, um, you know, she has the means to do that. She has a farm. She has... I mean, they're all in the house. All the dogs are always in her home, but she has property. She has fenced in yard. She's, she's got uh the uh, time availability to invest into these dogs. And that's the biggest thing. Oh, excuse me. I just drank the coffee. Um, It's kind of not settling right. You know, so finding people that are in these rural areas that are willing to go and get these dogs in other rural areas, bring them back and, and rehab them and, and clean them up and, assess them i mean this was a a, this took months and months and the whole time she had them in her home with her family and her dogs and um you know that kind of a thing has to happen often where we have to send somebody from a neighboring state in to go and get the big numbers of dogs Mm -hmm. and then you know if she had uh found it to be necessary to kind of separate them um we would have gotten local people within the area of iowa or in wisconsin and we would have sent them to individual foster homes from tina as the starting point
0: so i mean it sounds like a lot of work but like really rewarding work when you get to see these dogs come from either bad situations or just someone who couldn't take care of them anymore and being able to rehab and and find them those forever families um what kind of how do you find these families
1: it's it's incredibly rewarding when it, when you have a good match um we have a pet finder account we have a website we have facebook we it's all electronic we we post them we write extensive bios on each dog after we've gotten to know them i guess i, I should probably explain we get the dog in we keep it for a minimum of 2 weeks with the foster so the foster can actually get to know the dog um and kind of figure out the dog's personality, what the dog is gonna need, what the dog is most comfortable with. Um we make a determination after that two week period, you know, us working with the foster to determine what's the best thing for this animal and talk about the dog, the personality traits, um, its likes, its dislikes, its its wish list, you know, the dog's wish list. We put it into a profile, we put that profile on PetFinder, adopt a pet, um, we put it on Facebook from there we put the link on Facebook and we have a group on Facebook of over 10,000 people and, um, they, they get adopted very quickly. We have, a uh, at least a hundred pre-approved applicants waiting for dogs. Um, we match them up quickly. I would say now the way that things run with Kim Keeling as our adoption director between Kim and I, I would say, probably 70 to 80% of the dogs that come into the program never even make it to Petfinder or or social media.
0: I think that's so important I'm going to interject here because I think a lot of people who are wanting to find a rescue dog, they just kind of ask around like have you seen one or you know, I look online but there's none in my area and i always tell them you have to put in an application because so many dogs are already have a waiting list by the time they're posted and some don't even don't even get posted online because they're already matched so for those of you listening who are interested in rescuing or adopting a rescued animal get your applications in with doodle rescue collective and so that you're on that list and the other thing that i think that's so critical that you said is that you know when these fosters take in the dogs it's not just like, oh, come on and hang out and then we randomly pick some criteria that, you know, just out of nowhere for these dogs. We've watched them and we've tested them and we've, you know, considered where they've come from and what, what they get along with, whether they're, you know, can handle older children or younger children or whatever whether they're afraid of men whether they're shy whether they're right have aggressive tendencies or get along with other dogs like you've looked at all of this and that's what makes up the criteria that you're looking for in a match it's not random it's not you're it's not, not trying either. to like exclude certain people it's just you want the best home for these dogs so that the next home is the forever
1: home absolutely you don't want to get them you don't want to get them into a situation where they're going to be pawned off on someone else or lose home too you want to make sure that this is the last stop they're going to have. Karen really coined the phrase um, and and did a wonderful job with saying it certified pre-owned doodle. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I thought it was great. Um, You know, they've already gone through the loss when they're coming from a home and it's a rehome situation. They've already gone through the loss of one home. They're mourning the loss of that home. They're very confused, you know, to get them into a foster situation and then of course, you know, up, you know, dishevel their lives again by putting them into a, into a forever home after a foster home. I mean, you got to think about that. That's like, okay, this will be my third home, just in getting me through the rescue process from their original home to the foster to the forever home. It's like another change for them. You know, they're they're living creatures. They have emotions. They have feelings. Sometimes you look at these dogs and you think. God, this dog has been pawned off so many times and changed hands so many times. You wonder, like, how much can they take? When do they break? And sometimes they do break. Sometimes they've just kind of reached their, their breaking point with, I can't take anymore. And they end up having behavioral issues as a result of it. So we try to minimize all of that trauma as much as possible and really get to know them and make sure that where they're landing is going to be it, their final and last landing place.
0: I love that. And you mentioned like a huge percentage of the rehomes that you have come from families where because of there was children in the home and for whatever reason that didn't work out. Um, I know that DRC, Digital Rescue Collective, has some pretty strict child policies, not child policies, but like criteria for new homes. Like they can't have children under a certain age. Is that correct? Can you say a little bit about that?
1: Sure, we have age restrictions. Uh, Ten. We were thinking of raising it to twelve. I think we are going into raising it to twelve, um, and they have to be kids that have already lived with a dog, have experience living with an animal in their home, uh, with dogs, happy parents, um, for us to consider families with children. Because I mean, and and the reasons. Um, it's not discrimination against people with children you have children we've adopted a dog to you <laughs> we know we know you're very dog savvy we know you've you've actually taken the time to teach your children how to interact with the do- with the dogs in an appropriate manner and how to respect them um a lot of people i think parents are so consumed these days with just trying to make a living um you have two parents working You've they've got three point you know whatever kids um They decide they want to have a dog. They decide it has to be a doodle. They've never had a dog before. They go out. They buy a doodle puppy. They bring it into this, you know, semi-chaotic home. I mean, a bunch of little kids in a house is a chaotic thing when they're under a certain age. Oh, absolutely. And it's a little much sometimes for for a, a little innocent doodle puppy to kind of comprehend, like what is this all this noise? They will tend to look at smaller children as if they're other dogs, not as If they're humans that have to be interacted with with a certain degree of respect, they're going to look at a little child and say, well, there's a puppy and I'm going to interact with this child like it's a puppy. That means teeth, mouths, uh, jumping, growling, all those things that, you know, people will call us and say the dog is being aggressive with my child. (laughs) They describe the situation and we're like,
0: it's being a puppy. Right, right. That's not aggression. Yeah. My dog, Roscoe, who's 11 now, he was not – Of, I mean, he wasn't a rescue dog. I got him from a breeder. He was a monster right. puppy. He wasn't even hyper. He would just think that I was someone worth biting and jumping on and growling at. And he scared me. I can't imagine if I had had small children what would have become of that. And- right. Yeah. I mean, even if and that's your
1: first dog too, yeah, right? That's
0: my first very, dog. Totally.
1: That's what you've done. I mean, you were like, wow, I'm so affected by this, I'm gonna start this, you know, educational website and uh yeah. start to talk about these dogs with people so that you know they know what the deal is. Totally. Having gone through it yourself.
0: Yeah, and and life is chaotic with kids. Even even if you have really great kids who've been taught, you know, how to respect dogs. And even if the puppy isn't too crazy of a puppy, the fact is you're really busy. (laughs) And so if just having normal dog behaviors that you don't have time to train and deal with can get hectic, right? And so I can see someone with even an average decent dog and average decent kids when life gets crazy and you're busy with this and that and running around, like there's not time for that dog. And that's fine if you've had the dog for a few years, you know, they can kind of just kick it. <laughs> yeah. But when you've got a puppy who's jumpy and hyper and stuff and digs and chews, that can be a recipe for like, okay, never mind. <laughs> Someone else yeah. take this dog.
1: And these are doodles, you know, I mean, it's a lab is a completely different animal than a lab or doodle. Um, a golden retriever is a completely different creature than a. Golden Doodle, um, a poodle, is probably the closest thing to both of those. Labradoodle, Golden Doodle, Poodle. I mean, and people got into do, into into Labradoodles and Golden Doodles because they didn't want to go the poodle route. But you're getting a poodle. <laughs> you're right. getting a poodle brain.
0: You you might get a lot of poodle that you didn't realize you're getting, or you might get a lot of retriever. So I'm wondering. You mentioned. Some place in the country, you don't have that many fosters or resources. Are, are there any areas where you are where you would love for people to volunteer that you just don't have that many in? Yeah, I can name them for you. Yes,
1: please. <laughs> Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming. Um, we desperately need fosters in Texas right now. Um, it's such a big state. You know, we have basically uh, Dallas-covered parts of Fort Worth, but we we still don't have a lot of, of volunteers in those areas, um, as, as many as we really need and would like to have.
0: And what does someone need to do to volunteer to be a foster or transporter or whatever?
1: Oh, just go to the website and complete the volunteer uh, app. Um, it's kind of tedious, but we made it that way on purpose. Because <laughs> if you're dedicated, you're going to get through it, you know, and if you're not, you're going to go... <laughs> Yeah, you know, screw this. <laughs> so, um, you know, the ones that actually complete it and fill it out and uh, say, please call me, I mean, those are people that you want for volunteers who you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, they're gonna make the extra effort with the doodles. Um, you know, we made the adoption application that way too on purpose. <laughs> I've Have seen it. To- yeah, you know, it's and we kind of ask the same questions several different ways throughout. Like we're going back to this question. We asked it over here before, but we're going to ask it again. See if you're and compare the answers to see if, you know, you're you're changing up your, your stuff. Right. It's, it's, it's like a psychological uh, <laughs> evaluation. <laughs>
0: hey, you've got to make sure these dogs go to places that are right for them.
1: Absolutely. And yet we've had people say, well, I would have an easier time adopting a child from a third world country. Than Maybe I'm getting a doodle from you.
0: <laughs> I don't know about it being that much easier. Um, so, what, you know, for people out there listening, what are some things that you wish, any myths that you wish to bust or things to point out that people really need to know, either about rescue or doodles or, you know, this whole area?
1: Well, there's a couple of things. I think that with these doodles, there's so many myths to bust. I, we could do a whole show on myth-busting doodles. I think that's true.
0: So let's keep it to rescue, maybe.
1: Um, you know, it, it's all it all sounds good on paper. And a lot of people, you know, feel the calling. Like, oh, I'm going to rescue a dog. <laughs> I'm going to rescue. It's really not fun. It's not pretty. It's a lot of work. It's um, a whole bunch of stinky, smelly, disgusting, gross stuff going down there uh, when they're coming from shelters and and puppy mills. Um, You know, you have to be prepared for all of that. It's not, you know, rainbows and unicorns. It's it's ugly. And once you get through the ugly, the layers of ugly, you see this beautiful little creature underneath all that. And they you know, a couple weeks goes by and you see them start to come out of their shell and shine and then then comes the nice part. Then the wow, okay, wow, this is I'm making such a difference in this animal's life. And then when they start to thrive and you really start to, to see them blossom, then you happen to find them the most perfect, wonderful home, and they leave you and you cry. You're gonna miss them because you've gotten them, you know, you've had them for months and you've taken them through so many steps. Um you've taken like almost a feral, disgusting, filthy animal and turned it into, you know, a pet, turned it into a, a family member. And you watch them go and you and you cry. But then, you know, you hear from the people, you know, within a few weeks and you see the pictures come in of the animal living this wonderful life with this new family, happy dog. And you know that you had a hand in that. And that's when, you, that's when you feel like you've done something, you've accomplished something. That's the good feeling.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. And it's something I want to get involved in doing more of once my kids are older. I think I, I can handle, you know, a rehome <laughs> that's clean yes. from a clean home, doesn't have any bugs or fleas that I have to worry about. Uh, but perhaps in the future, that's something I would like to do more of. I think you'd be great at it. You have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fun, isn't that? It's not fun for the beginning, but... Sounds fun to have a part in that process. Yeah,
1: it's the bugs and the and the poop and the filth, <laughs> the smells and the scaredy dog wedged in a corner that you, you worry will ever come you'll ever get to see its personality. Will it ever not be scared? You know, will we ever get to really know this creature? I mean, that's the stuff that's hard. Yeah. A lot of people don't really have it in them to do that. I know I can't do puppies. Like I get puppies and I go, Oh my god, what was I thinking? <laughs> you want to keep them all? No. I'm like, why did I think that I could handle having, you know, we've had back-to-back puppy fosters in this house for the last few months. And I'm like, well, can we take this puppy? You know, Janine is my roommate. She's the vice president of DRC. We look at each other and we're like, we can handle it. Yeah. We get the puppy here and we're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what were we it's thinking? Like, it's a monster. <sighs> yeah. they're They're tough. Puppies are tough. And these puppies are particularly tough because they're smart.
0: Right. There's I know. There's yeah. Clark always tell has, has this saying that he learned somewhere like the best dog is a dumb golden retriever. <laughs> you don't want too smart of a dog. Well, you do, but there are consequences to intelligence. There are
1: consequences. And you do, and you you are a smart person and you want a smart dog. I want a smart dog, but there are the consequences are that you have to be you know, interact you have to be interacting with these animals constantly and they're never done. You're constantly <laughs> you know training them you're constantly reinforcing training you're constantly almost battling them sometimes like excuse me uh, i'm in charge here i'm the human yes when did you think that you were in charge like they will challenge you um it's it's not like they're done it's a constant process and you know as much as you get frustrated with it i have to i laugh every day you laugh every day i mean there isn't a moment of my day that there's not Joy, because of my dogs when they're even when they're acting up, it's just funny they're like almost little humans in furry suits. I think <laughs> you can really see the difference with the doodle puppies they are like they have the mentality and the and the i guess the cognitive senses of a three to five year old child and it is like dealing with a perpetual three to five year old child <laughs>
0: yeah I'm just finishing up the five year old age. <laughs>
1: oh yeah the, knee deep the children
0: yes yeah. so this is our first podcast what do you think how did we do Do is there anything else that you feel like you want to just make sure the people listening no oh, you
1: need to take calls you need to take calls <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a it's a great thing I, I hope I can be part of, of more of them in the future yeah definitely love to get some of the the wonderful people that are involved with DRC on to talk to you about their experience in their part of the country.
0: Yeah. And we have lots of people on Doodle Kisses who have rescued dogs, either through DRC or other means.
1: Well, we have to talk about that. We have to do mention, you know, as we, we always try to, that really the place that DRC started was Doodle Kisses. And that's absolutely true. The majority of people that that have volunteered for us over the years, I mean, have all come from Doodle Kisses and you've been involved from the very beginning. And Karen and I met on on Doodle Kisses and uh, Tina Katmeyer, who's in Iowa, we met on Doodle Kisses. Uh, Most of our regional directors came through relationships that were were forged on Doodle Kisses from years and years ago, even. Um, Ina Whitefield, people that you know very well from the very (laughs) beginning. You know, of, of you know, Brandy Spector. I'm trying to think of some of the other people.
0: It's so amazing that you know, it's been almost ten years, and all this stuff has happened, and friendships yeah. and things, and rescue. Awesome. And you're all
1: like family. You're, you're, you know, I consider you guys my family.
0: Oh, thank you. Tell us once again how people can find you and Doodle Rescue, and we'll put it in the notes too, so they can, you know, if they don't, if they miss it, they can look it up.
1: It's doodlescue.org. I'm trying to think what you you want my Facebook page. Oh, we have a Facebook page uh, under Doodle Rescue Collective, Inc. We have a Facebook group that you have to join. Um, We have regional Facebook pages um, SoCal, Southern California page, Northern California page, um, Southern part of the United States page. We really need one for Texas, but there'd be nobody in it right now. We need a Canadian page too, but we're trying to have pages for each regional area with each regional director. Well,
0: thank you so much, Jackie, for taking time to speak with us and me and share a little bit about Doodle Rescue and your journey with dogs and doodles. I loved hearing that background of how you started with dogs. I didn't realize your mom and that was involved in rescue. And maybe you've said that before, but I, I must have forgotten that you started so young.
1: Yeah, my mom, I try to give her credit for that because she really, she really did. She started the whole thing. She's made us kind of a rescue family. My sister's not so much me. Definitely, she made made an impact. (laughs) (laughs) But every family member of mine has a rescue doodle. Wow. That's so fun. Thank you for inviting me on. I'm so glad I could be part of it. And I hope I can be part of, you know, future... Podcast. Definitely.
0: Thank you so much, Jackie, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Doodle Kisses Podcast. If you have any questions for future topics or future guests, send me an email at admin at doodlekisses dot com that's a d m i n at doodlekisses dot com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, or Pocket Casts, or however you get your podcasts, so you can have every episode ready to listen to as soon as it comes out. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Doodle Kisses podcast in the near future.